Well, hello there, you Napa Valley loving folks. On today's show, we have two lovely, adventurous, community-minded vintners, Karen Cakebread and Paula Cornell. We're going to have a great talk with them. But before we get to it, I just want to let you know that as a special thank you for being a listener, the fine folks at Judd's Hill Winery here in Napa Valley have got a special for you to make it easy to have some of our fine wines in your cellar. Just visit www.judshill.com and have a look at what's currently in release. Put some in your shopping cart, and then at checkout, type in JNVS. Stands for Judd's Napa Valley Show. JNVS, all in lowercase letters, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And that code will be good at least through October 2013. Of course, our Judd's Hill Wine Club members get an even better deal than that, so as long as you're online, have a look at our wine club page and join the fun. As always, I invite you to come see us in person to taste wine and have a great time. Visiting information is on our website, and I hope to see you soon. For a good time, come to Judd's Hill. Enjoy the show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Finglesay. Good morning, Lauren. Top of the day, Judd. Top of the day to you. How's things? Are you getting pretty excited? Tonight's your big night. Yeah, that, that's right. So tonight at uh, AT&T Park, the Giants taking on the Brewers. And at the seventh inning stretch, what are we going to be treated to? I'll be singing, take me out to the ball game. <laughs> That's right, Lauren. And I will certainly be in attendance. I'm hoping to get a recording of it. I'm going to bring along, I don't have a very fancy uh, rig or anything, but I've got my phone. You know, it's got the voice memo. I'll try to catch it on that. And if that doesn't work, hopefully somebody will have recorded it a little more professionally. And we will get you on the air next, actually next week we're going on break, aren't we? I'm not going to be around next week. So soon. Soon, we will get you on the air singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game." I can't wait. I am so excited to see what you're up to. Now, this is part of, we've talked about this in the past, but this is part of the Everybody is a Star Foundation, which is a foundation nonprofit that works with special needs youth in the areas of uh, creative performance and um, music, producing music videos, getting these youth into music studios. It's, it's, really, it's really a great way for folks to express the talent that they have. And, of course, your video is one of the stars right now of Everybody is a Star. And if you go to everybodystar.org, Lauren's video is right there. Very cool. And I am pleased to say that I spoke with uh, the executive director just yesterday and all of the tickets that they had, because a portion of the ticket sales uh, for tonight's game are benefiting Everybody is a Star, and their tickets are all sold out. I don't know that the game itself is completely sold out. If not, it's probably close. But... Um, Congratulations on selling out all your tickets for the game. You've got a lot of supporters. Oh, thank you, Jed. You're welcome. And not only that, but you were featured prominently over the weekend on Sunday's Napa Valley Register. That's right. A whole story about you and everybody's a star, and you had a great picture in there. Turned out very well. Man, please, don't forget the little folks when you hit it big. 
You know, that's what Artie tells me all the time. I think I probably heard it from him first, Artie Party, but it's it's true, man. You're going places, and I, I hope that you'll remember me one of these days when you're, uh, you know, in your Malibu mansion, Mr. Showbiz. Well, what can you say, Judd? <laughs> well, that's your job, actually. You're the announcer. What can right. you say? Yeah. Why don't you say something to start the show? Sure, Judd. Fabulous guess. It's always true. On today's show, we've got two. Wonderful wine-making women. Would you like to know who? It's Karen Cakebread and Paula Cornell. Welcome. Good morning, Paula. Karen. Good Great morning. Great to see you. Good morning. Boy, I wish I had a voice like him. Isn't that With something? That introduction is pretty amazing. <laughs> well, you could. You, you hire yourself out, Lauren? Would you hire yourself out, you know, if they had a special Voice event? lessons, that is. Oh, voice lessons. Oh, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> okay, maybe so. Speaking and singing, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so Paula Cornell, Karen Cakebread, you are both very uh, recognizable people here in the Valley who have made, well, made wine, made friends, made impressions, made yourselves very kind of iconic figures here. And I'm, I'm very glad that you can join us. And having two folks, you know, we kind of have talk about you both separately, but you do so much together as well. So I wanted to bring you together. So I'm not even sure where to start. Where should we start? We want to hear a little history. We want to talk about uh, what you're up to right now. Let's get into history. Let's start from the beginning. And Paula, only because your history goes, I think, a little... Speak for yourself. I'm not saying you're old, but, you know, your families go back here in the Valley. And uh, Paula, you know, let's let's just talk about you. I know the wine business started way back in the 50s, but... Even earlier than that, your mother's side was here. So my mother's family, the Rossinis, came from, they're all Swiss-Italian, and they homesteaded in Napa Valley. So that's my mother's third generation. Um, and they had their weekend home in Napa Valley. So then my father came to the United States in the early 50s, started his sparkling wine or champagne making in Sonoma County, met my mother and saw the light and came over to Napa Valley. So he came to St. Lena in ni- or started the winery in 1958. So old old European family. And this is the Hans Cornell. Hans Cornell Champagne. Champagne. Uh-huh. And back then you could call it champagne. Absolutely. Yeah. There was no regulation. So it was traditional method champenois. It was tr- done in the true champagne method but now called Sparkling wine or method champenois. Right. Was anybody doing that at the time here locally? At the, the time, no, not at that time. And then Schramsberg was just coming on around that time mm. also. And then later on, all the big French names, Mum, Domaine Chandon, everyone else started coming in. Gotcha. But your father was the, the pioneer in that. And it was a great way to grow up. That building that the winery that the winery was in was our playground so we smoked our first cigarettes there <laughs> kissed the first time used to Uh-oh. catch bats i mean it was really a great place to be <laughs> it was a beautiful place one of my earliest memories of going wine tasting with my family and so i must have been i don't know maybe 5 i'm guessing 6 was about the time i think they they took me out was going to the Hans Cornell Champagne Cellars and and just being struck by the way it looked and i i still do have some memories of that with the the big the, the big the, door the, the door the, thank yeah. you i'm, I'm yeah i, I mean there was it was nothing fancy it was all i mean at that time i think for any of the wineries here nothing was very fancy it was all very practical but there's great stories of how my father would always be there and always be there with his german shepherds mm-hmm. so um and if he was there he would take you through personally but 
Um, so it was it was truly a great way to grow up. It's very cool. And you you were a little bit of an entrepreneur as a kid, were you not? Absolutely. I thought about that yesterday. Was I was picking the only the only living prune tree on my mother's orchard. I was picking prunes last night, remembering that I'd sit out in front of that tasting room and sell prunes. Walnuts and peacock feathers. Peacock feathers. So my first job was out there. <laughs> Where did the peacock feathers come from? We had peacocks growing up because there were so many rattlesnakes, as there is in this valley, yeah. and mongoose are against the law. Okay. And peacocks were the other things that would kill snakes immediately, and is they that right? would take them. It was great. Oh my! Eradicated goodness. them around the Cornell house. That, that, well, that's very handy. I actually had a little close encounter this very weekend with a rattlesnake on a dark driveway i'd walked by it twice already without seeing it and then heard this yeah and i said to a buddy of mine who was a little bit up the driver said what was that kind of squinted in the moonlight oh i, I think it's a rattlesnake and we got a flashlight and sure enough big one too uh anyway so walnuts prunes and peacock, peacock feathers. feathers i relate to that as well you know we had <laughs> walnut trees growing up um well my family had whitehall lane winery back right in the, 80s and there were walnut trees and that was my first business venture as well i collected the walnuts went right in front of the winery you've got a constant stream of visitors and and you know walnuts here cheap yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it was that damn hard work of having to be out there picking those darn things yeah pick them and then you gotta husk them not shell them but husk them i didn't shell them and so that must have given you an early start in your business career well especially since those those walnut and prune trees were not mine, so they was really my oh, really? grandmother. So oh. I had to share the wealth with my grandparents. Our grandmother um, obviously got that back later on, but it was truly that well, you were basically paying rent, and so uh, here you had to give a piece back. A little back to the grandfather. Yeah. I thought maybe you were out poaching, but it was still <laughs> no, in the family. Exactly. No, totally in the family. No, that's very cool. And, and Karen... You didn't grow up here in Napa Valley, but you're still pretty local. You're a Bay Area. Yes, I like to say I'm from the other valley, which is Silicon Valley. And uh, I grew up down there when San Jose and that whole Santa Clara County was orchards as well. And now we see why why we have, uh, you know, preserve our land here because it's not paved over. Right, right. With buildings and um, all sorts of things. <laughs> but it was an exciting time to be down there and grow up. And the whole creation of uh, Silicon Valley and technology coming on. And I worked in that industry for a while before coming up to the Napa Valley, which now you could not blast me out of here for for anything. I, this is where I belong. No, you, you are here. You're anchored. I mean, you certainly um, have been involved in the industry. When did you start in the wine biz? When did you come up here? Well, I have to sort of start with Silicon Valley because okay. I, um, yes, I'm I'm not a cake bread by birth. I'm a cake bread by marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I met a gentleman uh, at Hewlett Packard by the name of Steve Cakebread. And I thought he had the funniest name I've ever heard of. You hadn't met, you hadn't met our family. You hadn't met the Finkelsteins yet. <laughs> right. So we were working, we, we were working at HP in, uh, in the accounting department together. And long story short, we ended up getting married. And I recall him telling me that his family had a winery in Napa Valley. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Um, I had been coming up to Napa Valley. I was interested in wine. I was taking wine tasting classes at the local uh, college, junior college that had um, educational wine classes. So there was an interest there for me very early on. Uh, And I didn't think too much about it when he said that his family had a winery uh, until later on. And and when 
when um, we moved, after we got married, we moved to Asia, and I started doing some work for Cake Bread Sellers at that time. In Asia? In Asia, yeah. They were just starting to export wine. Uh, Japan was the first country. And um, But what was the first time I remember I was a nervous wreck when I met Jack and Dolores because it was at a tasting for KQED way back when, when Narcy David was... Jack and Dolores are the, the, cake bread, the founders yeah. yes, of, of Cake, cake bread, bread Sellers. Yes. My, my soon-to-be, or I can't remember if at that time they were already my in-laws, but I went to the table and they were pouring um, Sauvignon Blanc and a Cabernet. And Jack Cakebread looked at me and he said, he holds up the bottle and he says, you see this label? I said, yes. And he said, see how clean it is? I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, that's how I want it to look when this tasting's over. And so he put the fear of God in me about messing up a wine label that very day. So I looked at my husband and I said, you pour the Cabernet, I'm pouring the white wine. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so. You take the easy way out. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you have a white label even today. Yes, I have a white uh-huh. label. No, that's not why I have a white label, but I am fanatical about uh, how that label looks during a tasting. Yeah, it's yeah. just a little quirk I have. Well, it's a great story. I mean, image is everything, and you want people mm-hmm. to know your, know your label. Yeah, there's a lot of good wine out there. Yeah. When folks have a choice, they're going to look at that label and remember it and if it's all messy, what kind of impression is that? Correct. So true. So your your label now is white. You have your Ziada <laughs> wine, which is now your own project. We're jumping yes. ahead quite a bit, but yeah. So but fast she brought forward, it up. Let's yeah, talk about yeah, it. yeah. Fast forward, you know, twenty years now, and um, so I did work with the in-laws uh, for nearly eighteen years, and that's where I cut my teeth in the wine business. So mm-hmm. it's it was a really nice place to start, and I learned a lot. And uh, so that gave me the knowledge and confidence to go on and start my own company, Ziada. Yes. Which um, came into, she was born in, uh, in 2008. So it's been a little over five years. And Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's, that's it's, good. it's really, really fun because I can be involved in every aspect of the business from, from the vineyard to the table. And I, I love being hands-on. I love learning, and I learn every day. So it's and it's an relatively exciting. small, so you really can be that hands-on person with the business and the wine. Yes. It's, I'm just uh, creeping up on about 1,000 case production now. Yeah. Um, still involved in every aspect i'm the only employee i do have a consulting winemaker but i do everything else that's amazing that's amazing you're walking the vineyard you've are you have you planted a vineyard do you have an i do i i'm based up in calistoga so i have a small sauvignon blanc vineyard up there and i chose sauvignon blanc because number one it's a brand or a varietal that i would always have in my portfolio and two, the soil uh, conditions are not that great. So, and Sauvignon Blanc is kind of like a weed; it will grow anywhere. Right, it likes it. it, it yeah. So it's the it's just second year uh, crop this year, and it's doing really well. So it's gotten established, and it's looking healthy and happy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to picking some of those grapes this year. Wonderful, wonderful. So Ziada wine, Sauvignon Blanc, and you also have some red, correct? I have a Pinot Noir uh, currently from Carneros and a Cabernet Franc from uh, Oakville, East Oakville Hills. That's a good spot to have it. Why not? Yeah. Um, so, and can folks, where will they find your wine? Ziata, Z-I-A-T-A. That's a great name. It's, well, before we get to where we taste the wine, where does the name come the from? Name. It's also a family little history there, isn't there? It is. And... Uh, 
I understand now why people put their family names on their wine labels because the hardest thing to do was come up with a brand name oh, yeah. when I started my own company. So I started looking at my mother's side of the family, which is the Italian side, and every name is already on a label in Italy. <laughs> So, surprise, surprise. And being in a highly regulated business that we are, uh, you have to be very careful about naming brands. So I started looking at my mother's name, middle name, which is Annunziata, and uh, I actually thought of using that name, the full name, at one time, but fortunately it was on a label in Italy, so I had to get creative, mm. and the spelling of it ends in Z-I-A-T-A. And the Z just sort of jumped out at me one day, and I said, that's it. It's five letters. It's fairly <laughs> phonetic. Z is an unusual letter, and my graphic designer loved it. And he asked if I had any ideas of uh, design, and I said, no, that's why I called you. And I said, the only thing I could tell you is I cross my Zs when I write, because I lived in Asia for about five years and sort of picked up the European Mm -hmm. style of crossing my Z's and my 7's and so that's that that's where the name came from so it's a tribute to my mom who lives in St. Helena and she um, is a great ambassador and, and Sunshine is her her own account that she manages. Sunshine Market in Sunshine St. Helena. Mar in Saint so Elena. She, does yes. she go in there with the wine bag and pours to taste? Well, she hasn't quite gone that far but when I first released the Sauvignon Blanc she tracked down the wine buyer and insisted that uh, he call me and get the wine in the store. <laughs> so she she gave me so she good. gave me the card. She 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 got his card, and she called me up and she says, "Are you selling wine to Sunshine?" I said, "Mom, I just released it. I haven't quite gotten that far yet." And so she said, "Well, you need to call him." And so I did, and he was very gracious. He said, "Come on in, let's taste the wine," <coughs> and we did. And I said, no pressure. I'm just kind of following through on my mom's thing here. And he said, oh, don't worry. You're not the only kid in this valley whose mother <laughs> says that we must have their wine in the store. Isn't that the best? Yeah. Moms, grandmas, they they are the best salespeople. You they know, are. How can they say no to a little white-haired lady? Well, you can't. You know, my grandmother uh, for a long time was our rep. Official, unofficial, whatever you want to call it, but she was our <laughs> rep for Judd's Hill in Los Angeles. She oh, lived perfect. there. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And I just, I mean, I would go out to um, later, but when I was when I was younger and in college, I wasn't working in the family biz, so Grandma would go out with wine, meet with, with restaurateurs and retailers, and they would ask her technical questions. She said, I don't know. My son-in-law makes this, and it's good. You should buy it. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe how successful that was. You know, if you wanted to, a table at any restaurant in Los Angeles, you know, uh, the Patina, Spago, and you would call up and say, no, 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 it's impossible. We don't have any space. You'd say, oh, um, did I mention uh, my grandmother is Cindy Matz, you know? <laughs> oh, Cindy, we love Cindy, sure, for her, anything. You know, everybody loves the grandma, like, especially yeah. when she comes in with wine. Yeah, yeah, so. So, yeah, use your mom. She got you into sunshine. I'd send her on the road, too. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about <laughs> it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really? Let's see, what territory could she cover? Yonville would be a good start. There, yeah. Absolutely. Let her cover St. Helena and Yonville. Go from restaurant to restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Are there some pretty good restaurants over there in Yonville? In Yonville? Oh, there's a few. Oh, just a few, just a yeah. Couple. yeah. Okay, some places you'd want to be. Well, that's great. Good for mom. Yeah. Nice to keep it in the yeah. family. Yeah, she's, uh, she's going strong at 90. Good. Maybe she could take care of your whole thousand cases. Wouldn't that be nice? Sure. You probably have a good mailing list, too, though, I'll bet. 
It's pretty cool. good, yeah. I I, um, I will always remember a friend of mine said, when I started the brand, you can count on your friends to buy your first release, but then you're on your own after that. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah, to get real lot. customers. There's a lot of shooting <laughs> up. Put, put a little uh, effort into that customer yeah. uh, relationship and building. Now, the both of you have been making wine in the wine business a long time. How did you two kind of meet each other? Because really, when we're out at events, the two of you mm. seem to be partners in crime. Partners in crime. Always having right. fun. <laughs> I'm so glad you could come here together because the energy is great. But how did the two of you meet up? I'm thinking the year you shared the wine auction, which was... 1992. 1992. So, Paula, you were the chair of our big... Napa Valley Wine Auction, now called Auction Napa Valley. And the year it made first made over a million dollars. Is that right? So, yes. So you did that. that. I did that. Now it's like, oh, God, that's pennies in a bucket compared know, to what that, we do but now. But it's 20 it a, something years ago. It was a big deal then. A sure. big deal. No, it was an incredible auction. And it was it's incredible because of all the volunteers that come together to really support the rest of Napa Valley. And by the way, that million dollars, as does all the money then and now, stays right here in the community. So on behalf of the community, thank you for raising that million dollars to go to our health care and education and everything else that it funds here in Napa Valley. It's such a great event, and it's just, it's also so much fun to work with everybody, too. So, You've yeah, and I, I, I was on a committee. That's, oh, okay. that's how I, I believe that we really first met. And then it really came then we really became close when the whole lust for life thing started mm -hmm. so that was karen well that was you also saying trying to get a trip to nepal together right yeah we've got to talk about this this is and we've got a few minutes so let's let's talk about lust for life this is an incredible group that you two put together i imagine with some other ladies mostly locals trek around the world raising money for breast cancer in Napa, Valley, yes. in, in Napa Valley, yes. In Napa Valley. Not research, but then care, research. You want to tell me? Because I just, I heard breast cancer. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Give me the details. Yeah, so we, um, it all started with uh, a wonderful woman that used to be the executive director of the Napa Valley Vintners, Elaine Mackey. Sure. And Elaine was this vivacious, um, wonderful, physically active, you know, running marathons, doing all this stuff, uh, person who unfortunately passed away of, of breast cancer at 39 years old so on on her passing a group of her friends within the vintner organization created a nonprofit foundation in her memory and we were on the founding board we all sat around the table and said well now what do we do <laughs> we created this how are we going to raise money and um, funny enough uh, nancy duckhorn at that time nancy andrus said to me because I lived in Asia and went trekking. She goes, I'd love to go to Nepal sometime. And I, th I thought, well, what? why don't we go to Nepal and trek for money for the foundation? So just it all sort of came together. And that was our that was the launch of our fundraising for the for the organization, and we would we would have been thrilled to make ten thousand dollars. We just literally sat down and wrote letters to everybody that we knew, uh, everyone we, that we had got ever asked us for gals. a bottle of wine, sure. yeah. anything. Yeah, That's six right. six you know, gals together. Yes. Yeah. We and so we 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 raised over ninety thousand dollars on that trip. Wow. Which was we were stunned and uh, thrilled, but stunned that. 
uh, there was no fundraiser. There was nothing other than us going out on this trip, and we all paid our own way. Mm-hmm. Right. So 100% of the money went to the foundation. And it's not just you guys raising money to go on a vacation. I mean, you go on these treks, and when you get there, you're actually interacting with the people there. Tell me what happens when you get to these far-off places. Because you're not going to places... You know, like like Paris or Honolulu, you're 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 going to some und- undeveloped country when you. Yeah, we've been to a few of those. We've <laughs> been a few. We've slept in many funny campsites. We've, yeah. but it's been great. Like the first one was Nepal. Then the second, we thought, well, we could do this. So then we graduated <laughs> to um, summiting Kilimanjaro. Wow. And then the third one was was that Turkey. 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 We did the Karkash Mountains in Turkey, which looked like everyone thinks of Turkey in one way. It was, looked like it was Switzerland, so oh. it was go- absolutely gorgeous. Uh, let me see. Then it was Peru, um, the Cordillera Blanca in Peru, then Mongolia. Am I forgetting? Mongolia. Yeah, Mongolia. India. India, and then Bhutan. Bhutan, yeah. And what type of receptions do you get when you were in these far-flung places? Oh. Well, it's very interesting. What I I think what I always loved about trekking when I was living in Hong Kong at that time, I (coughs) needed to escape the city because what I learned about myself living in Hong Kong is I'm not a city girl. I'm a country girl. So I needed to get away from the hustle and bustle. I signed up for a trek in Nepal. I had no idea what I was doing or who I was going with. Um, I just met up with a group there, had a blast, fell in love with those mountains, Mm. In that part of the world and just continued on so i think i've trekked now three i think i've been on three treks in in the himalayas so i'm i'm in love with that part of the world ah. and that's how i got started and i think i kind of drug all these guys along <laughs> with me and and you know the whole sleeping in tents and no showers and no hot water and <laughs> All those things. And but the camaraderie is yeah. incredible. I mean, that's, that's there's a, a bond. Yes, there's a true bond between. I mean, it started with just four. There were six. six of us, yeah. mm-hmm. and then most of the time it's been around six. But a couple of them have become a lot, a little bit larger. But basically, it's you know we we know each other's moods. We know everything about each other. We so. didn't push each other off of a mountain yeah. or anything. And the only two rules on these trips is no whining, no complaining, and you have to be. On on time so it's right. a good those are pretty great universal rules no matter what you do that'll yeah. keep a group together yeah i'm writing that down yeah, for yeah. the next uh, but culturally what was interesting is because you're on foot you're passing through mountains you're passing through villages you see the life on on the village uh, on the mountain and that's what's so amazing is to see how people live uh, with nothing no no running water no electricity living off the land the children working in the fields but seemingly content and happy with life because that's what they know right and um Mm -hmm. so i think that's what the other aspect besides the group of us trekking together is really interacting with the people of where where we are and learning about their cultures and and how they live that's very important. You know, I certainly hope that I can expose my kids to that when they're a little older to give them a little perspective on what life is like in the world, not just in our little uh, bubble here in Napa Valley. That's right. Very important. <laughs> We've got to take a little break. We've got Paula Cornell and Karen Cakebread on Judd's Napa Valley Show. And we'll be back right after this. Lauren, you want to give us a little outro? 
We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. And now, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show with me, Lauren Mole, and yours truly, Judd Fingleside. Thank you very much, Lauren. Yeah, I was trying to play the... Uh, clip that we recorded of you on Friday. Maybe we'll get that worked out for when we come back. But you were down at Yucapalooza at Oxbow, our little mini... I said that last time, little mini. It's definitely redundant. Our <laughs> mini ukulele festival uh, benefiting Cope Family Center, which is a great organization um, that works with preventing child abuse here in our community. And I've kind of called out at the beginning, are there any professional announcers here? We need to start this show and boom, out of the crowd. And it was crowded. That was standing room only. I didn't see you, but you came bounding out of the throngs to the microphone and gave us a great intro. Hopefully, we'll get the glitch worked out, and we can have that uh, next time we're on. Sure, Judd. Fantastic. So we have <laughs> Paula Cornell and Karen Cakebread joining us here, two uh, great Napa Valley folks. And Paula, we need to talk about what you're doing now. We've, 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 we all know you've been in the wine business for some time. Your folks started back in the 50s. You grew up there. And have you ever left the wine business? Were you ever doing other things? God, no. Basically, it's always been the wine business. I had some time in, well, the hotel business, too. Worked at Stanford Court Hotel in San Francisco oh, for a sure. while. And then took a stint at, for a couple of years, working the floor at Sherry Lehman in New York, selling wine. So, no, uh -huh. it's always been pretty close to it. Yeah, wine is what you are, sort of. You're much more than one, yeah, but one is part of who you are. Let me rephrase Definitely that. in the blood. There you go. Part definitely of the in the blood. And now you have started your own consulting company. So after many years of working with some great wineries in Napa and Sonoma County, um, it was time to start my own company. So I just recently started Cornell Wine Company and am doing some consulting work. I would like to say it was all marketing, but it's really sales, marketing, and general managerial things for some small wineries here uh, in the Valley. Kind of how to run the business. How to run the business from A to Z, from sourcing dishwashers to helping oh. with label design. It is literally A to Z, soup to nuts. Got but, it. And really, really fun. Well, good. I mean, you're definitely smiling. Every time I see you're smiling, because it's a tough business, as you know. So thank goodness there's people like you, and who better, really, than you to um, help some folks out who are either getting started or want to maybe revamp what they're doing? Absolutely, and that's what's so great about my clients right now and the people that I've been talking with. It's from anything of people starting their new brand or just wanting to tweak their brand in mm. some way or shape. And so it's if, great. If somebody listening is thinking of that, is there a way to get in touch with you and uh, Cornell Wine Consulting? You can Cornell Wine give Company? me an email at paula at cornell.net. K-O. And that's a K-O-R-N-E-L-L. -L. Okay, say that one more time. Paula at Cornell, K-O-R-N-E-L-L.net. Cool. Community. Both of you are very involved in community projects, organizations, you mentioned Auction Napa Valley being part of the Napa Valley Vintners Association, which, Paula, you were the past president. Right. Which is which is a position your father held as well. Absolutely. So I think it was the first father-daughter team. So not team, but 40-some-odd years after my father was president, 
his daughter got to be. That's very cool. It was cool. That must make you feel proud. Yeah. Huh? Uh, somewhere I think he's looking down going, okay, sure. good. That's great. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, community, I just spent, um, both Karen and I have love of four-legged creatures and dogs. And yeah. Sunday, I think a lot of our valley was out on the streets of, of Napa, but was the walk for the animals for the Humane Society where I took my two monsters <laughs> basset hound and an english bulldog oh, yeah. drug them down the streets but it was so great to see so many um other members of our community out there and i think i saw that they raised over sixty thousand dollars so for the, which humane is, for the humane society fantastic i saw a little coverage on that it looked like the street was just packed with it was packed and, and it was such if even if you don't i recommend for people that if you don't even have a dog come and watch the people the creatures it is really a pretty amazing event it's a scene yeah and karen you're you're a dog lover as well were you part of that or i know that even on your website you feature it says you can learn about you karen you know if you go to ziatawines.com you can click to learn about karen you can click to learn about oh your microphone just popped out well you can hold it there okay. you can click to learn about um your winemaker and you can click to learn about your dogs of course, yes. They've, yeah. they've Neela. been. Yeah. Neela's the current baby. Um, she's my five year old little black lab. So, I, you know, I'll do anything to sell wine. My mom, my dog, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes. Because <laughs> I'm not that interesting, actually. I need other. I, I eyes need are help. opening over here. <laughs> Calm down, uh, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I'm stopping there, Lauren, okay? Um, so anyway, yes, uh, dog lover. They're they're great companions. Um, you know, especially when, like Paul and I, the other thing we have in common is we're both single. So we have our creatures to keep us company and and take care of us at, uh, when we're around the house. Also, uh, I actually adopted two of my labs, the current one and the and the past from um, uh, Canine Companions which is an organization over in Santa Rosa mm -hmm. that trains dogs for the disabled. Oh, okay. So much like guide dogs, which Paul has been very involved in for several years, and I have on, on a, a smaller level, they have uh, dogs that don't quite make the cut, so to speak, and they get adopted out. So I'm They don't make the cut to be, to be help, uh, helper dogs. Yeah, to, to go to work. They, I see. They, okay. they have, you know, they, it's a very strict criteria what they're looking for in a dog and they can get released for the smallest things guide dogs they're called change of career dogs oh yes well yes whatever <laughs> we call them i may not be using the right terminology for canine companions but what i love about it is a i get to um find a home give them a great home and also when i get the dog they're a year plus old so they've already been through puppy training and you don't have to yes. put papers you down. You got it. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. They're not chewing up your house. No, exactly. So I'm all in love with those guys and their dogs. So, yes, we're doggy people. Dog lovers. Guide yeah. dogs for the blind, I believe. Guide dogs for the blind is incredible. Involved in that. Incredible. Um, I got involved uh, probably about eight years ago now, and it's such an amazing place to see the smile that these people that need those dogs to help them mm. um, have their just a regular lifestyle is amazing and the joining of those two together is incredible oh, what a what a great organization and a service to be able to provide to folks hospitals 
I'm just gonna go. I'm just going down the checklist. Down the list. Everything you folks do for the community. So you both are on boards, on board of the boards of our local hospitals. Paula, you are on the board of Queen, Queen of the, of the Valley. Valley, and Karen is on the board of St. Helena Hospital. And um, all right, fist fight right now. Who's better? <laughs> What's the better hospital? Well, last year. No, no, we don't. Year, we don't get into that. Last but, year, I had the um, opportunity of getting two hips done, brand new hips at Queen oh, of the Valley. Really? So I drank the Kool Aid big time, mm-hmm. and was then sort of um, wanted. I, everybody wanted me to join that board, that foundation board, and it's been an incredible experience. Incredibly, incredible meeting some of the people from downtown Napa or from Napa itself hmm. being an up valley person so um, an incredible hospital and um, just great to be part of it you must have had a good experience when you were getting your hips absolutely. done at absolutely. Queen of the Valley good good and what brought you Karen to St. Helena to be on the board there well um, yes so I was approached by a couple of the um, board members and, and we're both on the foundation boards, not on the hospital hospital board. We're on the foundation board, which is the fundraising right. end of it. Um, helping keep things going there. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, to do all the good things that they do. Uh, I was a I was approached by a couple of the board members, and uh, it, it never really crossed my mind to be on the board of the hospital because I'm just so wine centric. But at this day and age, learning about healthcare was I felt. Um, important and I wanted to be closer to the hospital that I would be using on a pretty regular basis when needed and and just to learn about how a hospital works and all that goes into it and all the um, cutting edge things that are going on so really keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on in our community and I think we have two fabulous hospitals for a very small community that we live in we we can cover just about everything between our two hospitals. Yeah, it's true. I've I've heard people say this that if you're going to get sick, Napa Valley is a great place in which to get sick because the hospitals and the healthcare is so good. Due in part also not only to folks on foundations like yourselves, but the giving that is created through our auction Napa Valley Absolutely. every year. Those millions of dollars you were talking about, yeah. big chunk goes to our local health care and hospitals. Yeah. We right. are very, very lucky here yes. to have such incredible hospitals. And I got to say that, you know, for the community, this is the most philanthropic community I've ever been engaged in. It's just such a generous community. They support everything, not just the hospitals, but everything that's going on in the community and what their passion is. So if you have a passion about something, you can find a nonprofit to support. That is something, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I know you are you know, very worldly. You've lived in other countries. Uh, I know you jet around. I've run into you in Park City. You had us up for a wine dinner there. So you know what it's like in these other communities and some, you know, like just for example, Park City, you know, quite affluent, but to say that um, Napa Valley is one of the most philanthropic is really saying something. And I think you're, it's true. It seems like every weekend, almost every day, there's a different there's event. And um, we all get hit up mm-hmm. and happily give to as much as we possibly can. And it seemed to work out for you, too, that when you wanted to start your lust for life and raise money for breast cancer here in the Valley, you were able to um, hit up the people who had been hitting you up and that's kind of how it works <laughs> that's it, it yeah, all goes around yeah, yeah yeah we all try to take care of each other and i paul and i are sort of our our 
title on our business cards are really professional volunteers. So we yeah. did. We, <laughs> we, it's hard. We both have a problem saying no when somebody asks us to do something, and it's uh, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's hard really because hard. there's so and many you, good of all reasons. People too, yes. Judd. I mean, you're involved in so many great causes, also that um, it's a great. It's because it's hard to say no because they're great yeah. causes and you don't want to say no. And for the past few years, my resolution has been I have to say no more often only to, for my own sanity because yeah, yeah. it's like every day I'm involved in something. And part of me thinks that's wonderful and it gives me some satisfaction to I'm doing something with my life. But then at the end of the day when I'm absolutely exhausted and I can't go on and I, you know, collapse and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, I've got to put an end to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad that there's a hospital nearby. Yeah, there are, you've got, we got you covered <laughs> to treat my exhaustion. <laughs> it's just one of those communities. What keeps you inspired here about Napa Valley? You know, you've been here a long time. You stay here. What is it about Napa Valley? Is it what we just mentioned? Is it the the people? Is there it's more? It's the beauty. It's the people. Um, but truly, you can't. I, I can't walk out the door in the morning without saying, you know, taking looking just around you at the environment and boy, we are so lucky to be here, and thank goodness. Indeed. Karen? I think, uh, ditto, we realize that Paula and I can certainly relate to each other about it because we have traveled around the world raising money for breast cancer and been in some very remote third-world countries, and it's very humbling, you know, to come back and and see how we live and what we have. It's it's amazing. And being in such a beautiful community that is very generous, that is so beautiful, that is very agricultural, and um, it just doesn't get any better. I pinch myself every morning. Right on. Yeah. That, that's beautiful words. I now have to ask you both um, a very important question that I ask Uh-oh. my guests here on Judd's Napa Valley Show, and that is, do you go nuts for donuts? <laughs> is that a yes? What? Of course. Oh. <laughs> we do love donuts. Oh, oh my look God. At look, and they're colorful. So we have a selection of donuts. I want you each to choose one. This is going to give us a little bit of a psychological insight to mm. who you are by which donut you choose. It looks like Paula's going in for an old maple old fashioned. That has been on a run lately. Mm. Yeah, That's okay. a popular one. And Karen, chocolate cake. All right. You've got, half of my name. You've got these beautiful donuts in front of you. It's a beautiful day in Napa Valley. We make the most wonderful wines here. You know that. What are you drinking, Paula, with that maple old-fashioned? What are you pairing with it? <laughs> uh, a glass of bubbles. Bubbles. You got it. Maybe if we can find some of the Hans Cornell in the cellar. Absolutely. Pop, great time to pop it open. Bubbles and maple and Karen with your chocolate cake donut. Okay, I'm going to say it's not Cabernet, all right? Okay, it's not, <laughs> not Cab. Just because it's chocolate. Okay, um, fair I enough. think mm, maybe a little Sauterne. Ooh, something sweet. Well, late harvest, sticky. yeah. That chocolate cakey donut sounds delicious. And now it's time to play everybody's favorite party game oh, here God. on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is Mad Libs. Thank you, Lauren. So, Mad Libs, you know this party game. I'm going to ask you to uh, fill in the blanks, basically. And, uh, Karen, let's start with you. We're going to do a couple for each of you. And we're going to go through this kind of quick. So be on your toes. Karen, I need a number, any number. 10,000. 10,000, she says. 10,000. A plural noun. Dogs. Of course. Dogs. And a year. 
1923. 1923. All right, uh, Paula, I'm going to go over to you. A plural noun? Chewing gum. Chewing gum. Got it. Okay, another <laughs> plural noun. Uh, zucchini. Zucchini. <laughs> Got it. Is that two C's? One? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another plural noun. Uh, clowns. Ooh, creepy. All right. That's just me. <laughs> my own the fair is yeah. coming. The fair is coming. That's true. Uh, the fair is starting tomorrow. Uh, a uh, noun. Garlic clove. Garlic club. You're quick. It's a very food-related yeah. thing going on here. I love it. <laughs> Must and be the donuts. Yeah. A profession. Any profession you can think of. Oh, jeez. Uh, garbage collector. <laughs> garbage collector. Okay. Here are some Uh-oh. bios that I found of both of you <laughs> online. Oh, no. From your own websites, starting with Karen on ZiataWines.com. Starts off like this. <laughs> 10,000 years of representing the Napa Valley <laughs> and its dogs <laughs> around the world gave Ziata Wines owner founder Karen Cakebird the desire and know-how to develop her own wine brand, which she named in honor of her mother and officially launched in March of 1923. Oh, perfect. Right on. <laughs> 80 years, 90 years ago. Uh-oh, this is scary and, now. And it's taken off. Okay, Paula. This is you. <laughs> Growing up on her family's Napa Valley vineyard, Paula was the girl who sold chewing gum, zucchini, and clowns in front <laughs> of the tasting room at Hans Cornell Champagne Cellar during summer months. <laughs> Lauren's cracking up. <laughs> you can laugh on Mike, Lauren. That's okay. Oh, my God. When she wanted to spend time with her father, winemaker Hans Cornell, she jumped on a garlic clove <laughs> and joined him for a ride or worked alongside him in the winery. In those days, she was certain she would become either a veterinarian <laughs> or a champagne maker by day and a garlic and a garbage collector by night. <laughs> and actually, I just want to say that the true bio said actually a ballerina at night, which is very sweet. I think that's delightful. I want to thank that's you both, awesome. Paula Cornell, oh Karen God. Cakebread, for coming in today. Lauren Mole, as always, have a great time tonight singing at the Giants game. I'm going to be there rooting you on. And, uh, and Karen, yes. I have one question, Judd. I'm sure you have a cult following for this program, and it's such it's wildly popular. So how, since I'm sitting here and I can't listen to it, how do I find it? You can find the podcast. I'm so glad you asked. You go to your iTunes on your computer, type in Judd's Napa Valley Show, and all of these episodes eventually get posted there. Eventually. And you can download them (laughs) in podcast form. Thank you so much for coming, and we'll see you next time on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank Thank you, you. Judd. Judd's Napa Valley Show.